season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shrigland and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Have you ever heard of cracking bat grip? If not, you're missing out. All the top prospects around the nation are trying it out. If you're looking for a long-lasting, high-tack, strong, sheer-strength stick that has the unique feel that only comes from using genuine pine tar and can be used in cool to hot temperatures, Kraken Bat Grip has the product for you. Go check them out. They can be found at KrakenBatGrip.com and at KrakenBatGrip on Instagram and Twitter. And their CEO, Brian Stewart, has also been on the podcast. So check out his episode. Learn more about him and the company. So listen to this episode, and I hope you guys check out Kraken Bat Grip. And welcome back to the JKR podcast. Today we have a very special episode as we kick off our new podcast series featuring PBR Indiana's head scout and Indiana baseball alumni Cooper Trinkle. Welcome to Coop Scoop, where we dig into Indiana high school baseball and what's next for the game of baseball within the Hoosier State. Let's dig into it. Cooper, welcome to the JKR podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. Hey, of course, you know, I'm, I'm excited to get this rolling, excited to talk about Indiana high school baseball as the season gets started. But, you know, before we get started into, you know, actual Coop Scoop, with this being the first episode, let's kind of go ahead and just give the listeners kind of who you are. Just, you know, give, give you a little introduction. Who is Cooper Trinkle? Oh, man, that's tough. Uh, I'll, I'll go through, you know, I, I played four years of varsity baseball at Columbus North High School. Um after that, I had a atypical college career. I was kind of all over the place, but spent some time at John A. Logan uh, Junior College in Carterville, Illinois. Then um, I was lucky enough, got the opportunity to play at IU for a couple of years. Uh, and then I finished my career at St. Leo, which is a Division II program in Tampa. Um, so got to experience a lot of college baseball. It was really cool. Um, I finished up playing in 2021, so I'm only two years removed from the game. Um so, yeah, now I live on the south side of Indianapolis with my wife and uh, two cats. Okay. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> I'm sure, you know, being from Indiana, you were somewhat connected with PBR Indiana as you went through your recruiting process to go to John A. Logan, IU, and stuff like that. But how did you get connected in ter- in P- with PBR Indiana in terms of a future career? Like talking with Phil, how did that whole thing get started? Yeah, so the uh, – what was it? COVID 2020 summer. Um they bullpen and PBR Indiana hosted the Grand Park Summer League in uh, at Grand Park, and it was a really really awesome experience. There was basically no other um, college summer leagues going on at that time. Northwoods were shut down, Coastal Plain was shut down, um, Cape Cod was shut down. So like there was a ton of really really talented players that were looking to play somewhere for the summer, um, and so they had a they had kind of this. Um, work play deal where you could you played um, and then to pay off your your dues or whatever um, you had you could work for bullpen and so I did that and that was basically just like tournament stuff Um, but again like you said like I had had a relationship with Phil Wade before my little brother played 
for him and um, a couple other guys on Team Indiana. So he knew who I was. Um, obviously, I've been through the PBR Indiana system. Um, so I was already working for bullpen, and so he needed a little bit of help at, like, showcases and stuff like that. So I did that, and that was kind of the start of it. And then that next summer um, was when he started to let me go out. And he, I was working with Daylon Nanny, who's uh, he's a, uh, an assistant coach at Western Kentucky now. One of my, it was a really good friend of mine whenever we were playing. Um, so we were, he had asked us to go out and scout tournaments for him, create content for social media, stuff like that. So that's kind of how the, got, the ball got rolling. Um, and then whenever I finished playing, uh, I kind of just, came right back into it, continued to work showcases, scouting and stuff like that. And then probably, I think about a year into that, he was like, Hey, like, you know, this could be a full-time opportunity for you. Are you interested? And then obviously for me, like I'd love to love to get paid to be in the game of baseball and watch baseball, write about baseball, create content with baseball. Like it's an awesome, it's an awesome job for me. So I was ecstatic for it. So yeah, I'm really thankful. Phil gave me the opportunity. So before that experience in that 2020, in that 2020 summer, did you have any interest in being a scout or is that kind of when it got started? When did that interest kind of hit you? Uh, you know, I don't, I'd say I've always had the interest to work in the game for sure. Um, at what capacity I, I never really knew. Like I, there was a point where I thought I wanted to coach in college. Um, but the, with that being said, I've always, always loved watching the game of baseball. So being a scout would be something that fits in perfectly. Um, so, you know, it's never, it was never something that I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. But I always knew like, Hey, like if I can work within the game of baseball when I'm done playing, like that's what I want to do. Right. So with all the experiences that you had, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, John A. Logan, IU, the school down there in Tampa, Florida as well. For ever, all these young baseball players listening, what would be that advice you had for what to expect within the, within college baseball or even what to expect in that recruiting process? Because I'm sure there's a lot of guys listening who are maybe uncommitted, guys who will be committing here soon. What's just that advice you have for guys like that? Yeah, I would have a couple different pieces here. I'd say the first thing as far as if you're talking about un, uncommitted guys, um, the best way to improve your ability to get recruited is to improve your tool set. So get faster, uh, get stronger to throw up, uh, bigger exit velocities, improve your arm velocity, improve the field tool. Um, basically all the five tools that scouts are looking for, like that's the easiest way to get recruited because that's something that you can always lean on. You can't always go four for four, but if you run a six, six, 60, you run six, six, 60. Right. Um, so that's my first piece is like whenever guys are working in the off season, they got to understand that they got to improve their tools constantly. Um, and there's a lot that goes into that, whether it's weight room, nutrition, stuff like that. But um, it's the easiest way to improve your, improve your stock, I should say. Um, but then my next piece would be like, again, uncommitted guys. Uh, you never know who's watching. Like a college coach could show up and literally zero gear and be standing down the left field line. Um, and you have no clue that he's there. Like, are you going to make yourself look bad because you struck out and pouted back to the dugout? Or are you going to be the guy that plays really, really hard, backs up bases, um, beats out routine ground balls and plays the game the right way? Right. Like, because ultimately that's what those guys are looking for. And I've seen guys cross guys off for not playing the game hard. Um, and that's just, I mean, it's something that you can control and it's 
really frankly something that should never happen if you do want to play at that next level you should always be playing the game the right way and to the fullest of your ability um so my last piece of advice for especially guys going into their freshman year guys going into college programs is uh don't have any expectations and work your butt off um you know not having any expectations that'll kind of allow you to play free um you're not you're not putting your expectations on yourself to play or to maintain any kind of role like you're just going in there and working your tail off to see what happens um and be the best teammate that you could be and that's how you're going to gain the respect of the older guys in the clubhouse is by being a great teammate and working your butt off and then let you, you let your performance ultimately dictate what roles you end up with so let's go ahead let's dig into our first actual baseball segment here preseason all-state showcase first one i want to dig into is the upper class but before we dig into you know what players you know played the best some different numbers that's going on let's dig into you know what that preparation kind of looks like for an event like that you know when do you guys start that preparation and for you what does that kind of look like i would say we start preparing for it um in november or december that's kind of when the invite requests start rolling in um so really there's a it, there's not a ton of preparation for it outside of what we do for a normal event other than the fact that this this uh, event is invite only um so we do have to do a little bit of due diligence on making sure we get the right guys there but outside of that it's just like a normal showcase except on a larger scale right a normal showcase we're gonna have 40 to 50 guys um so we're only gonna hit probably one or two guys at a time um we're gonna take things a lot more slowly where preseason all-state showcase um you know even like on sunday we had four we had 200 plus kids so we had four different lines of hitting just because if we don't you know we're gonna be there until midnight right and that's just not not right like can't do that so it's it's just there's a little bit more to put into it when there's a bigger event like this but really it's the same it's the same preparation as any other showcase yeah so when I was there you know what obviously I was doing some interviews with some players but I was watching you know how you Phil Connor Hall you guys you know walking around to all these different parts I mean you were all over the place when you are at an event like that kind of what's your focus in terms of okay I need to go see this guy I need to see that guy get content on this like what's your mindset and like what is your strategy going into an event like that on the actual event day? Yeah. Um I think the first thing that obviously so I was in charge um for going through event requests and basically trying to get the best possible roster at this event, right? So for me that that's I already know the guys coming in. Um I really know there's there's only a handful of guys that were at both days that weren't guys that I knew um, or had seen play and stuff like that. So that preparation for me, knowing everybody who's going to be in attendance helps out on game day um, because it's like, I can constantly be walking around. I can see Lane and Fry's about to hit second in this line. And then uh, Brandon Logan might be about to hit another line. I need to know that. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch Landon, get some content for social media, whatever, and pop back over there, watch Brandon, and do the same deal. Um, you know, uh, during the event, I always I like to watch infield, um, especially as a former middle infielder. That's something I feel like I really have a good ability to evaluate, and it's it can be lost in an event like that, especially for you know 
we're really we're only taking the position below. So it's like the best infielder isn't always going to throw up the best infield velocity. So that's something you have to be able to evaluate with your eyes. Um, and then pitching at the end is always really fun because the especially at the, the preseason showcase, there's four mounds that are all right next to each other. And, you know, basically the on-deck guys, the guys that are going to throw next are all standing behind. Um, and everybody's up there trying to throw up a big number, trying to hit a – trying to hit a PR stuff like that and so it's a it's a cool environment so that's cool because for me I can see basically all the arms at the same time um so yeah so what and then I, I was gonna say outside of that uh there's a lot of other stuff that goes on with running the showcase like you know we there's nothing always runs perfect uh we have a ton of technology that we use between swift for lasered 60 times blast is measuring um, all kinds of stuff, but some, one of my favorite things for it is it measures bat speed throughout the ground. Um, obviously, we have TrackMan for hitting and pitching and stuff like that. And video cameras that have to be um, that have to be on everything, right? Like we video everything at the showcase. So that's also as much as my job is scouting and creating content. It's also like there's times where, Hey, a blast goes down and I need to go over there and fix it because the person that we have running, it may not be somebody that is with us all the time or knows exactly how to fix it. So it's like, sometimes I have to be able to pivot and do stuff like that. So with the event being invite only and you kind of being in charge of that, how does that work in terms of you guys have a, you know, a predetermined number. Okay. Like we want, 200 guys there on Sunday, 100 guys there on Saturday. What does that kind of look like just in terms of, you know, how many plays you guys are wanting, how you guys decide whether or not, like, especially, you know, early in that process, okay, if, am I going to accept this guy, deny this guy? How does that whole work, whole thing work in terms of being invite only? This is invite only. Basically, we're trying to get um, some of the top. Our goal is to get the top players in each class at the preseason event. Um, so, you know, going into it, we knew we were going to have probably a low 100s for the upper class. And then at first we thought 150 was going to be our underclass number. And frankly, we just had a lot of really, really quality um, players that wanted to come to it. And we got to 150 and we're like, hey, we still need to, you know, there's still division one commits that still want to come. There's still some really, really highly touted uncommitted guys that aren't signed up yet. Like we got to expand this. Um so we ended up pushing that one to 200. Um, as far as just trying to get the right kids there, uh, there's multiple different facets of it. Uh, kids do have the ability to uh, request an invite on the website. So that'll, that plays into a factor because, if, you know, if a kid has already decided like, hey, I want to come, fills out the request, um, and he's a player that we know is good, then absolutely we want him there. Um, we invite all the players that are ranked. So from our 24 through 26 class, all the ranked players automatically got an invite because those are players that we've already identified as college level players. And then after that, honestly, it's just trying to get as many college level players there, like players with the college level tool or college level body. Um, we want to come showcase their abilities. And it's really good because we can get all those guys that are from similar classes or from the same class, really, for the 24 event together at one time and it's easy for us because we get to see Noah Coy and Braden Hibbler uh, and Josh Gervin go back to back to back 
you can really tell the differences in their game and see which one maybe does one thing better, but th this one does the other thing better, right? Yeah. Um. So when I was walking around that day, you know, I did. I was I was hearing some conversations in between players, and one a couple guys were saying, you know, I haven't taken BP in a couple days, this and that. For you, like, what do you? What would your advice be in terms of these players? You know, prepping for an event like this, because obviously this is a big event for them in terms of getting their numbers for collegiate coaches to watch. What would be that advice you have just in terms of, you know, preparing for a PBR showcase, especially for the PBR All-State Showcase? So definitely, I mean, I, I always came, I always had the logic that I hit every single day. Um, I was a guy that I really enjoyed the process of getting better, right? Um, and so that's something I carried with me throughout my whole career. But yeah, for guys that are, especially if you're coming to an event like this, like you should be hitting multiple times, if not every single day before uh, coming to it, just to make sure you're sharp, make sure your mechanics are right, make sure your swing feels good. And that's just going to instill confidence in you when you're going into the event, into an event. Um, if you know, hey, I have a really good feel for my swing right now and I'm about to rake, like you're going to put up a good round or even if you don't have your best round, it's still going to be all right. Where guys end up struggling is when it's they leave things to chance and they just show up and say, hey, this is what I got. And then when things go wrong, it starts to spiral. Um, so outside of that, I mean, guys should definitely be ramping up their or whatever throwing program they're doing for the offseason before um, arm B loads a big a big thing that we're evaluating really in all facets from catchers to infielders to pitchers. Um, so having some, some kind of quality throwing program should be something that you should do before they prepare for it. A uh, big thing for position guys is they should be sprinting before. Um, I think it's funny when guys don't do any kind of sprint work and then they wonder why they don't get faster. Then um, their 60 doesn't get better, right? Like it's something you don't work on. Um, you know, I use the analogy, the best track athletes in the world sprint every day. Right. And they get, they're the fastest athletes in the world. Like if you want to get faster, you have to sprint. Um, so that's something that, that I would definitely, definitely recommend for position guys. But I say once it comes to the event, like at that point you are what you are, you're nothing's going to change on the day. You're not going to come up with some magical hitting advice. that's going to make you hit eight balls over a hundred miles an hour, like Hogan Denny, like, you are what you are that day. Um, so once you're there, it should be a you should be playing loose. You should be out there just playing, um, and your preparation should be what you're showing off that day. And it shouldn't be trying to force anything. You shouldn't be trying to be somebody you're not. Um, so yeah, that's my advice, guys. Coming. So last overall question here in terms of an all state showcase like this. Before we dig into you know certain players that impressed. For like an event like this, you know, before the season gets started, what type of role does that kind of play within the PBR rankings in terms of, you know, all these different guys that you're watching? How does that role, how, what does that kind of look like? Yeah, definitely. And, and really all of our events have um, some kind of role in rankings just because they're all, we all, we get the same amount of information from every single event. Um, we get all your measurables. And obviously we get videos. So yeah, like guys that there will be guys from this, we haven't released rankings yet, but there will be guys from pre from both preseason days that are going to jump up those rankings massively because they came and showed out and showed that they were a lot better than what we thought they were. Right. Like a guy that I'll use, um, for example, is, is like an Ethan Lund, like Ethan Lund. I think he's ranked in the twenties right now. Um, but that was going off of a couple of looks last year when he was like 
85, 87, right? And then so he comes to preseason and he's a 90 to 92. Like, it's a completely different kid. Um, so, like, yeah, when guys come do stuff like that, like, that's how their ranking improves because they come and they show up and they show that, hey, we, hey, I am better than what you thought I was. Yeah. So this kind of being the first look of that you're seeing a lot of these guys here before the season gets rolling, who are some of those players in your mind that kind of had the biggest development where this is going to be for the upper class here to start out? What is mm-hmm. what, what are some of those players that you've seen had the biggest development? You, you mentioned Ethan Lund there, but maybe some other guys as well that had, you know, pretty big development from last fall to where they're at now in the spring. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Lund was one I definitely wanted to touch on just because I thought he was one of the biggest winners of the event. Big six four left handed kid, clean arm, spun a really good breaking ball up to ninety two. Um, he he had a great off season. A couple of Cincinnati commits I wanted to talk about that I thought really showed up and impressed me. Um, on the position side were Noah Coy and Cole Decker. Um, they both showed up, ran really really well. I think they were both the six sixes. Um, they both looked a lot more physical, and especially with both of them, they're 5'9", five, 5'11", five, somewhere in that range kind of guys. Like, they're guys that are going to really need to be physical um, to be everyday guys at the next level, and they're starting to show that along with the athleticism. Um, and then they both really, really hit. Um, like, we've always loved their swings, but I just thought that they came and they showed professional approaches not trying to do too much, but still posting high exit velocity, staying to the middle of the field, um, working both gaps. So those were two guys that I was super impressed with. Um, after that, you know, we could talk about Jack Brown for a bit. Um, you know, he, he's, he was, he ticked up a couple mile an hour and was up to like 93, seven or 94, if you want to round up, um, you know, and, and he's always been a really physical and athletic kid, but, Man, like seeing him there, he kind of he he's starting to look like look like a college baseball player. He's six one, two hundred pounds, um, really thick. He ran a six six. He jumped. He had like the event best vertical jump at like a thirty seven and a half inch vertical, which is actually an insane number. Um, so I thought he was super impressive. Um, and then two uncommitted middle infielders that. I think are starting to really blossom into um, division one prospects or Josh Gervin and Braden Hibbler. Um, Josh Gervin is a guy that, you know, last, last fall, I want to say he ran like a six, nine, and it was like a 92 exit velocity. And I want to say like 75 across the infield. Um, now he's gone on, put on 20 pounds. He's hitting balls in the hundreds. He's running a six, six, still the ball across at 85. Like, he looks like a completely different kid has absolutely transformed his body. Um, he's a guy that I, I've been really impressed with lately. And same with Braden Hibbler. Like Braden's always been a guy that's got a ton of instincts in game. And he's a really good baseball player, uh, but he's starting to look the part now. He started to put on weight um, 60 times starting to come down. Uh, arm velo is getting better. And I mean, he's always been a guy that can really, really pick it. Like his glove is, is a definite tool, um, but he's starting to get bigger and, and makes that more impactful. So with all the, uh, with all the data that you guys are, you know, keeping track of throughout an event like that, what are some of the, I guess, what are some of the big jumps and numbers that you've seen from a couple guys when it came to maybe their velo exit velo miles an hour across the infield? What were some big jumps that you kind of saw some guys who, you know, really, jumped up in terms of just their actual data yeah um for me there's three three arms really that i put into this category that 
that I would consider for this. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is Connor Vanderlegarden from Center Grove. Um, he's a six foot righty, really quick arm. Um, saw him last fall, and I think kind of last year he was more of an 84, 86 guy. Um, good breaking ball, but it wasn't great. Um, but then he's a guy that's worked his tail off this offseason, was 87, 90 at the event, and the breaking ball has gotten better. He started to throw it harder. Um, so he's a guy I would really put into there. Max Winders is the next one that for me is in this group. Uh, at this event last year, he was 83. Um, and then now he was 88 to 90. Um, super high spin fastball, really big kid, spins a good breaking ball. Um, so he's another one that's he's over the last 12 months really taken huge steps forward. I think he's a really solid pickup for Western Kentucky. Um, but I was really impressed with him. Kind of that was the first time he officially had put up a 90 for us. So that was that was encouraging and then uh the last one for me would be nick heitman um and heitman i don't know if he fits this necessarily perfectly as far as just talking about just raw data because he's always been a kid that's stone ball hard um and i think he was up to 89 last summer uh but he was i think he was up to 91 or 92 at the event um, but it just looked a lot cleaner there was uh it was synced up and when he's synced up he's really good he's one of the I'd say one of the top uncommitted arms in the state when he synced. Um, but he threw a ton of, he threw a lot of strikes, which was encouraging to see, filled it up with, with fastballs. Um, and then his breaking ball to separator pitch, man, it's, it's a really good pitch. I think he's got a chance to be a plus pitch one day. So he was another one that took a big jump from me. Um, you know, only ticked up a couple mile an hour, but it was just kind of the way he did it for me. So who are some of the guys that kind of surprised you the most throughout this event, just in terms of, you know, watching it, whether that's pitchers, hitters, who are some of the biggest surprises there? Yeah, I had two surprises for me. Um, you know, especially with the upper class, there's – we know almost all these kids. We've seen them for three, four years. Um, but the first one I wanted to talk about was Max Hotsey from East Central. Um, I saw him throw in the sectional last year, and it was like 83, 85. And there were some pieces to like, but it, it wasn't that big – that big velo number that made you go, okay, like this kid's going to throw 90 one day. Um, but then he came out the event and was 87, 89 from like a three quarter slot, more of a sinker slider type guy, but he was a guy that I really didn't expect to come in and be 87, 89. Um, and I didn't expect him to look as good as he did. And so he's definitely a guy that stocks going up. Like uh, I was really impressed with. And the other one was uh, Bryson Dorsey, Bryson Dorsey, the catcher from Garen Catholic. Um, he's always been, a good he's always had good actions good defensive actions behind the plate his swing's always been clean but he's been a smaller guy kind of undersized uh skinnier and you know he put on noticeable weight here throughout the offseason he started to hit balls in the mid 90s uh the arm strength is starting to get really good i think he was 79 from behind the plate um and so he's another one that you know he's starting to put his name up in the conversation with there's a there's a group of 2024 catchers that are uncommitted that are all they all have different things to offer and I think Dorsey's starting to put himself on that list. Okay, so as we talk about surprises, let's dig into breakout candidates for this upcoming season. Who are some of those guys after watching them a couple of weekends ago that you think are just you know poised for a breakout season this 2023 spring? Yeah, for sure. Um, the first one I want to talk about is a guy that I think could have been uh, could have been talked about in the and when we talked about guys with big jumps or even guys with big development, that's Griffin Tobias um, from Lake Central. He's a right-handed pitcher and a shortstop. 
you know, he's he's always really been able to fill the baseball, always been able to pick it. He has a really clean right-handed swing, but what he really did that was super impressive this week was he was up to 91. He was 89, 91 on the bump. And for me, I'd never seen him over 86 before that. I'd seen him a handful of times and I'd always loved Griff to, loved the way that Griff pitched, even when he was 84, 86, like he, there's a ton of pitchability. He's super competitive on the mound, can spin a breaking ball and has quality changeup, um, which you don't see a lot of high school kids with really the ability to throw three pitches. Um, and that'll kind of be a theme as we go here. Like that's something that's a separator for me. But Griffin's uh, Griffin's a guy that I think could go out and lead Lake Central's pitching staff. And I think I think he's one that you know I think if he has a really big year, I think Lake Central will have a big year. So he's a guy that I definitely want to keep my eye on throughout the season. Um, and then after that, Adam Butchkowski is another one. I can see him taking over a big role at Carmel this year. He's one of the top uncommitted 24s in the state. Um, and, you know, he was, he's was he been up to 90 from actually a couple of different slots, which is really impressive. He's a high-waisted kid that I think could throw 95 one day. Um, but, yeah, I'm very – very interested to see how he does this year. Going to be one of the top guys for one of the top teams in the state in Carmel. Um, and I think he's another one that if he performs really well, I think Carmel could be really, really good. Um, so that would be a fun one to watch. Uh, Gavin Kisniewski is another one I want to talk about. Uh, actually, I think it's Gavin Kisniewski. I think that's the proper way to say it. Um, but Gavin was very, very impressive at the preseason all state he really broke out at this event last year was up to like 91 or 92 last year um but this year it was a different different kind of he, he was still only up to 92 but he, he went about it a different way he filled the zone up with a ton of strikes um through through a really good slider and he was able to land it to to his glove side um repeatedly and then he threw probably one of the best right-handed change-ups i saw it from the entire weekend. Um, so again, like he's a three pitch guy that I think he's going to step into a starting role at Fishers. And again, kind of a theme of the last couple of guys, I think he's going to have a big role for a really good team. And so he's a guy that I can see really breaking out. Uh, and then the last guy is Isaac Vanderwood. Um, I love the way Isaac swung the bat at, at the All-State event. Um, it's super simple, super repeatable. Uh, he gets his foot down early, but he's able to maintain rhythm, which is which is a tough thing to do. And the bat path is super clean. Um, so he's a guy that, especially for defending state championship with Ileana Christian, or a defending state champion in Ileana Christian, I think he's a guy that kind of takes that next step up. And I think he hit, I want to say, in the low 300s last year. It wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy that hits 400 plus this year. Okay. So with so many with so many committed guys at an event like this, let's dig into, you know, four or five guys who are committed, just how the event went for them. First off, I know you mentioned Jack Brown earlier, but first let's let's start with him. How did that event go for him overall? I know he's a two-way player, so just take us through his event. Yeah, man. Jack was up to ninety up to ninety-four. Uh could spin a breaking ball, sure to change up. The arm speed's electric. Um, you know, he's a guy that's a top five guy in the 2024 class. And really, he just keeps getting better. Um, I think that's something that his velocity is always trending just slightly up, right? So it's never a guy that's shooting up high and then back down and up high and then back down. Like, I think he was like 91 here last year, 93 here, which is encouraging to see. Um, and then offensively, it was 
a, a stupid, stupid athlete. I mean, a six, six runner, 37 inch vertical, uh, he throws up a hundred plus mile an hour exit velocities. Like he's just possibly the best athlete that was at this event. I would say him and Ahmad Duff, um, would, would be the first guys that come to mind whenever I think of the best athletes that were there. So, yeah. Um, that's what I got on Jack. Okay. So what about Cameron Sullivan? Reset Notre Dame commit. What were your thoughts on him and his, on this event? I loved Sullivan's bullpen. Um, he was a standout last year for us. Future games team uh, really made a tick up there in velocity. He was up to 91, and then he came out um, at preseason, and he kind of proved that that's who he is. Um, and he was 90 to 92, spun a really good breaking ball, super confident. Uh, there's a ton of balance now, athleticism in the delivery. Um, yeah, he's a guy that I'm a really big fan of. All right, so the next guy I want to dig into, a guy I know who had a lot of exit velos over 100, Hogan Denny, IU commit. What was his event like? And Hogan just – he impresses every time you watch him do anything baseball-related. I mean, he's just – he's that good. Um, eight balls over 100 at the event. Um, frankly, probably would have had a 100-mile-an-hour average exit velocity, but he hit a kind of a flared foul ball. as a flared fly ball his first swing that kind of screwed up the average a bit, but you know, he, Hogan's just a guy that he's just really, really good at the game. That's the best way I'd describe it. He can really th uh, catch and throw. I think he had numerous pops under one nine, um, you know, and he's a guy that I actually watched him play last night and it's just, he, he, he swings a really, really controlled, but powerful barrel which is something you don't see with a lot of high school kids. He's just super advanced. One of the best bats in the state, regardless of the class. Okay, so I got two more guys I want to dig into. One Indiana Bull, one Midwest Kane, starting with Caden McCoy. What was his event like? And then also Brendan Oliver. I know they kind of pitched back-to-back. -back. They were there for a little bit. So what were those two guys like? Yeah, Caden's uh, a guy that uh, he's he's another one that just keeps getting better. Um he was up to 91, which is, you know, it's a little bit of a tick up for him, but not a ton. I think he was 89 last year at the Future Games. Um, he, he, Caden throws a fastball that's going to be really tough to hit as it moves forward because it's high spin. So it's going to feel like to a hitter that it's going to ride or it's going to almost rise. Um, but he's also left handed and is able to create some natural tail on it. So not only does it rise, but it, it gets a little bit tail too. Um, at 91 miles an hour, like that's going to be a pitch that, especially as he continues to throw harder, um, is really going to give hitters fits. Uh, his breaking ball has gotten exponentially better in the last 12 months. I remember seeing him last year in high school ball, and it was like a 66 to 70 mile an hour, kind of like little, just like it was just, frankly, not that good. Um, and now it's 77 to 80. It's hard. It's sharp. Um, it's a legitimate out pitch and he's done a lot of work on improving that pitch. And that's really, it's really paid dividends for him. Um, Oliver is another guy that, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's an 88 to 89 mile an hour fastball guy, um, kind of lower slot, but he's able to create ASR on the fastball and he has a really, really plus slider. I think he's got one of the better sliders in the class. Um, super high spin guy so he had a good event as well okay last question here when it comes to the upper class event under the radar guys going into this season after watching there a couple of weeks ago who are some of those guys you have in mind for just being under the radar guys who maybe haven't gotten as much attention as some of these other guys 
Yeah. So for this, I picked three uh, uncommitted guys. You know, it, there's a lot of really, really talented, committed players in the 24 class in Indiana. But there is some some really quality, uncommitted players left. Uh, the first first two I want to talk about is a pair of North Central kids, um, and that's Michael Fliss and Micah Reinstrick Kierkoffy. So Michael Fliss is a guy that really kind of improved his stock big time last fall, uh, started to tick up. He's like a six, five, six, six, really, really long and projectable kid. Um, and he, last fall started to really show the, show some velocity. And then at the event this weekend, he was, I want to say 86, 88 or maybe 86, 87, but it was, cons- it was very consistent where in the fall it was kind of 82 to 88 kind of various ranges where now he's starting to really lock in at the higher end of that, of those numbers um, spun a really, really good breaking ball. Um, he's more of a true curveball guy, um, which kind of helps from him being a, a big guy, kind of throws from over the top. So it's more of a curveball with depth, but it's really, really good. Uh, I want to say low to mid seventies, super high spin. Um, so he he's definitely one of the, an arm to pay attention to, probably one of the top uncommitted arms in the state. Um, Ranster Kierkoffie, has always been a great athlete, um, but he ran better. He was, I, I believe he was six, seven event best, like 94 from the outfield, absolutely tools out kid. Uh, but the thing that I took away that was the most impressive to me is I think he's starting to make some adjustments offensively to improve his hit tool. Uh, the swing looked better. The bat speed's always been really good, but I thought the path was better. It's a little bit shorter, a little bit cleaner, um, stays to the zone a little bit better. So he's a guy that I think could break out this year. Uh, I think in North Central's got a couple of those guys. Uh, and then the last guy I wanted to talk about was AJ Beggs. He's a catcher outfielder from Center Grove. Um, again, uncommitted kid, plays for the Indiana Bulls. Um, he's a he's a really physical kid. He's six foot, two hundred pounds, really like put together, almost looks like a linebacker. But with that being said, he's also a six seven runner. Um, he can really throw. Um, and he's a guy that he's always, I've always thought he could hit in game. Uh, and he took a really confident BP at preseason all state. Again, I think he's one of the top uncommitted bats in the 24 class. And he's a guy that I think could break out for center Grove this year. Okay. So under underclass event segment, number two here going to be around the same types of questions, but for the, you know, that day after when there was, you know, almost 200 kids there. Big players, the biggest development this past offseason from seeing them in the fall, seeing them last weekend at the underclass event. Who are some of those guys with the biggest development? Yeah. So the first guy that comes to mind for me is Blaine Metz. Uh, we saw him last offseason, and I want to say it was like 84 or 85. Um, so really good for a freshman, but it, it wasn't the 93 that he showed this week. Um, he was 91, 93, looks the part of a frontline starter at the next level. Um, athletic kid, IU recruit, spun a breaking ball, changeup is good. Um, he, he's a guy that, you know, he, he's a big winner from that event. Parker Rhodes is the next one. Uh, I think Bull Scout Day last year, he was 86. He came out 8990. Um, and I'd actually seen him once this off season in a live AB setting where he was up to 92. So I know that's in there, but he's a guy that's just trending in the right direction. He's athletic, uh, long limb, long arms, long long legs. Um six one, uh, can really spin a fastball and he throws from kind of a low slot with high spin, which is interesting. Um good breaking ball you know he's a guy that i think is going to continue to go up 
And then the last one I had for this was Hudson Devon. Man, Hudson Devon's really good. Uh, that kid's got a shot to be really good. He's a freshman. Um, I saw him in the fall last year, and it was like 82, 84. Um, and then he came out this this that preseason was 87, 89, almost touched a 90. And he actually did touch a 90 last night when I saw him play in high school ball, saw his high school debut. Um, but he's a guy, man, sky high ceiling. His dad was uh, played professional baseball, um, was a strong man for a bit. And he's an absolutely massive individual. I want to say six, seven, six, eight. I know Hudson's brother plays basketball. He's six, nine. Um, his brother, his mom was like a very, very high level volleyball player. I think she played at uh, the University of Florida. So, I mean, athletic bloodlines, like he's a kid that is, he's going to be fun to watch over the next few years. With, with him being a freshman, you know, I didn't really know who he was before he battled Indiana. And I, I'm walking over to that batting cage and he's just, you know, popping gloves. Like it was, everyone was over there watching him. I was like, holy crap, who is this guy? Uh, but digging into data for the underclass event. Um, just take take us through maybe some of the guys with the biggest jumps when it comes to you know certain certain analytics um on your guys' numbers. Yeah. So uh the first two that come to mind for me is a pair of uh Lake Central sophomores and Grant Mercer and Josh Flores. Um I you know, Mercer was a guy that I saw him he was up to 85 last year at the preseason, but then I had seen him in the fall. Um, and you know, I try not to take too much stock into looks like this, but it was in an early morning game and he was like 77 to 80. So I, I just didn't really know where that, where he was trending. Right. Um, and then he came out at all state and was 88, 90, it was really, really good. Long arm, super whippy, um, you know, a big jump for him, kind of solidifying himself in that conversation as one of the top uncommitted guys. Um, Flores is another one that. You know, I, I saw him in the fall and it was low 80s and I almost thought he was maybe more of a more of a shortstop at that time. But he also was 87 to 90 at the event and kind of threw himself up into that that uncommitted 25 top uncommitted 25 arm territory. Uh, so that was super impressive. Trent Kulig is another one. Kulig is a Andrean kid, you know, last I think he was 83 last year at preseason and it was low to mid eighties in the summer, um, but took a big step up was 88, 90, uh, filled up the zone, big, strong kid. Um, the arm works, there's some whip to it. And he landed a ton of breaking balls. He's a guy that I think will have a big year up for Andrean this year, three, a powerhouse. Uh, and then the last one I want to talk about was, uh, Geisel, Will Geisel, um, I think I'm pronouncing that right, Will. If, if it's Gile, I apologize. Um, but he he was really good. Um, you know, he first he had top exit or top outfield velocity of the event at 95. Um, he's starting to get really really strong. Uh, I saw him last year, and it was it was a body that looked like he had the ability to be really physical, but it wasn't quite physical yet. I know he's a varsity quarterback, so he's probably in the weight room a lot with this football team. Um, really made a lot of good changes to his body this offseason, and it paid off. Um, he was 87, 89 in his bullpen. Through two distinct different breaking balls that were really, really good, and he, he had probably the best spin metrics of anybody there. Um, I, I believe he either spun a slider or a breaking ball at 2,800-plus, which is absurd. Um and then his fastballs again at 87, 89 were high spin too. So kid can really spin the baseball. It was just really impressive jumps for him. Yeah. So when it comes to guys who kind of surprised you throughout that event, who who were some of those guys? 
Yeah, definitely. So these are this one. The underclass is fun with the surprises because there's more of a chance of guys like surprising you and being really, really good. Um, like some of the best players at the event where with the 24 class, you have a little bit more knowledge for them. But um, for me, the first two I want to talk about was the Carrera twins from Boone Grove, Xavier and Davion Carrera. Uh, they're two five-star guys. Xavier was the guy I saw in the fall and I, I, I liked his actions at shortstop, but I had no clue that he had 90 miles an hour on the bump in him and his arm. It was 92 across the infield. Uh, he's had one of the better exit velocities at the event. Uh, ran well and uh, I think he's he's I think he could be a superstar there's a lot of there's tons of tools in there his twin brother Davion is really good too um, I know he plays some first base but I was really impressed with him on the mound he's left-handed was 86 spun more of a sweeper type breaking ball but the arm's clean um, and really he hasn't done a whole lot of pitching so I think there's a ton of ton more development in there. So he was one that walking away, I was like, you know, this kid's really got a shot to be good. Um, the next one for me is Aiden Smith, man. Aiden Smith was really good. He was 84, 86, touching 88. He's a 20, 26 right-handed pitcher outfielder from Shelbyville High School, plays for the Bulls. Uh, I saw him last year, and it was like 80 – he was like 80. Everything was super clean. Um, high-waisted kid, everything's everything looks right, but it was just – the velo was just a little bit down compared to um, your your Kobe Cherries, your Reese Wolfs, um, take Troxels, guys like that. He just wasn't quite there as far as the velo was concerned, um, but everything looked like it would at one – like looked like he would be at one point. And, man, he came out and he was really, really good. Uh, like I said, up to 88 – the breaking balls were he threw two different breaking balls, a flatter slider and a more of a true curve ball. And those were really good too. Uh, I think the sky's loving for him. And then the last one was Reed Robinson. Um, we've heard, we'd heard great things about Reed, um, but that was really my first close up look at him. And man, he impressed, he impressed me big time. He's a switch hitting catcher. Um, I had one of the better, I think he had the best pops of any 26 catcher at the event, but you know, in high school, there's often a lot of times where the kids say they're a switch hitter and they're not a switch hitter. Like, Reed's actually got the potential to be a switch hitter. Uh, there's not really one side that's that much better than the other. I really like it from both sides, well-sequenced, good exit velocities. Um, and he's also a really, really strong kid, too, um, which as a as a catcher moving forward tells me he's going to be really physical. And I look back at some of the best catchers that I played with in college uh, at high levels, they're always really, really physical um, guys. And so I think Reed kind of fits that model and will be like that one day. Okay. So, you know, after seeing all these guys in the event, who are some of your breakout candidates for this upcoming 2023 spring in that underclass event? Yeah. The first one uh, guy I touched on a bit was Kobe Cherry. Uh, I know that I, I know he made the varsity team at Center Grove, which as a freshman, um, you, you got to have a lot of talent to do. Like, that's one of the more talented rosters in the state. So the fact that he made that varsity roster as a freshman, also with the fact that he was up to 90, that's preseason all-state. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think could perform his way into that starting rotation. Um, and again, he, he may be more of a bullpen guy for them, but – I could just uh, I could see he he has the talent and the ability to be able to make a big impact for them, and especially a freshman playing at Center Grove, like that's something that's very notable. Uh, the next two guys I wanted to talk about were a pair of guys that had really big freshman season, really big freshman seasons, 
in their own regards, but they're guys that are a little bit under the radar, uh, I would say. And, but they're guys that were really impressive this weekend. So the first one's Drew McTaggart, uh, from Harrison. He's a catcher utility type, but can really, really swing the bat. Uh, I want to say he hit over 400 last year at Harrison as a freshman, but he's another guy. He's proven he can hit in game um, and the measurables are starting to tick up. So I think he's another one that could could break out this year. And the last one's Drew Graft. Uh, Drew Graft is an outfielder from Norwell. Um, I'd heard he was a really, really good runner, um, but he was like a 7-0 or a 7-1 at Kane Scout weekend. And, and, and I was kind of surprised by that. So I was really interested to see how he ran this weekend, ran a six, seven. The swing is super simple. His right-handed kid with very little movement. Um, and he hit over 400 last year as Norwell as a freshman. He's a little bit more physical this year. So I think he might put, he could post the same numbers, maybe a little bit more uh, power, but yeah, McTaggart and Graft are two of those position guys. I think could have breakout years. Okay. So let's dig into some of the committed guys starting off number one player in that 2025 class, Brandon Logan. What was the event like for him? Yeah. Brandon Logan is a guy that, I mean, he's, un, he's unbelievably athletic. Um, you know, you just kind of talk about him in the same breath as Jack Brown, uh, where he just posted crazy measurable numbers from the athletic standpoint it was like a six, six runner, 35 plus vertical jump. Like just one of those that as soon as you walk in, you know, like, okay, this kid's an athlete. And I think he might've been the best athlete at this event. Throw, the other one I would throw into that would be PJ Fry. Um, but so Brandon Logan, you know, he hit well, he did everything well, but an event like this really isn't going to show off how good Brandon Logan is because so like, Shooter tabbed him as last summer as one of the best defensive center fielders in the class in the country. Right. And so for a guy like that, like obviously he's not able to go out and track balls in center field and show off that tool in an event like this. So that, that, that kind of does Logan a disservice, but with that being said, his BP was clean. He did his thing, hit line drives all over the place in the mid nineties and, and yeah, showed off his athleticism. So it was good. Um, yeah. All right, so let's dig into one of his teammates at Snyder, Landon Fry. Well, are you commit there? What was his event like? Yeah, Landon's the guy that he's starting to put on a little bit more uh, strength this offseason. He was really good, um, took a really good BP. He's just a gamer, man. Like, he's another one that, you know, a showcase setting doesn't necessarily portray him best because Landon's best whenever he's – he's in the batter's box against an arm and he's got to, he's got to get a base hit or he's going to do something um, to impact the game. And like, that's just, he's a gamer, man. He just hits. So another guy I want to dig into one of those many guys who have committed Notre Dame here in this past, you know, eight months or so Mason Barth class of 2025 Midwest Canes guy. What was, what were your thoughts on him um, a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Mason Barth is, he's a special talent. Um, yeah. I, I, that guy adds more muscle every time I see him. He he looks like a it looks like a little fullback. Um, but with that being said, he moves around the infield j just fine. I mean, from looking at him, you wouldn't expect his feet to be that good in the infield, but they are. Um, and then took he's probably the best hitter of anybody at the underclass event. Um, it's super simple, but the strength allows for him to really, really turn the barrel swing and turn it with a ton of bat speed. Um, 
and the simplicity of it allows him to really hit in game just because he could be on time so consistently. Um, and then for good measures, he hopped on the mound. It was 89 to 91, uh, threw three pitches for a strike. Like he, he's probably never going to pitch in college, but was also up to 91 on the mound. So it just kind of shows you the, the freakish talent that the kid has. Uh, he, he's, he's one of my favorites. He's, he's fun to watch. Yeah. So two other guys I want to dig into who are actually staying in state, Alex Barr, Aiden Reynolds, both, you know, who's your commits. What were the what was the event like for both of those guys? Yeah, so Bar Bar was good. He he sat at eighty eight. Uh, I think he touched at eighty nine. Left handed kid spun a really good breaking ball. I think Bar is going to be a nightmare on left handed hitters at the next level. Um, and then Reynolds, I mean Reynolds, he's starting to continue to grow and mature. Um, he's a good runner, but at the end of the day, what where he's going to make his money is with his bat. The kid can really swing it. The swing's super clean. Um, I think he hit balls in the low to mid nineties. Uh, not sure exactly what that EV was, but it's just the swing's super clean. He's never rushed. It's always on time. Uh, super fluid barrel. Like there's just a lot of things you look for, um, that he does right and is super advanced. Uh, and then actually, I w- wanted to talk about one more Indiana commit. He's a guy that committed actually a couple days after the event. Um, but he was one of the top guys at the event for me, and that's Matthew Fisher from Evansville, Evansville Memorial. He's a 25 right-handed pitcher, and he he's a guy that he got on the mound and threw the easiest bullpen of the weekend, um, and especially in an event where, you know, guys are coming up there trying to hit PRs, trying to throw hard, and they often get a bit, erra- a bit erratic or – they overthrow like Fisher had none of that. He looked like he was sleeping on the mound was 86, 88, um, spun a really good breaking ball. One of the better right-handed breaking balls of the other day um, showed a change up with some quality sync to it. Um, yeah. And he committed to IU shortly after the event. And, you know, a guy like that sitting 86 to 88, as big as he is, I want to say six, three, one eighty five. Um with him being 88 as easy as it was, I I think it's fair to say he's going to be 92 pretty quickly. Okay. So last question here on the underclass event, like again, under the radar guys heading to the 2023 spring, who are a couple of those guys in your mind? Okay. So the first one I want to talk about is Aiden McKinsky. He's a right-handed arm from South Bend St. Joe. Um, he's a guy that, you know, he's a, he's like six, one lanky kid. Um, but the arm is unbelievably clean. Um, he was up to 87, and I think he's going to be a guy that, as he continues to put on strength, the velo is going to go with it. Um, so he's a guy that I think could have a breakout year for Adams. Um, Drew Kostiva is another one. He's a Lake Central guy. He put up um, very good measurable numbers at the event, high exit velocity, high arm uh, arm velocity. And I think he's going to make his way into the Lake Central lineup this year as a sophomore, which is tough because that Lake Central lineup is loaded. Um, but he's a guy that I think could could really produce for Lake Central. Um, and then the last two I want to talk about were a pair of freshmen, uh, freshman middle infielders that are going to see some varsity time and, the, and that impressed at this event. First one's Dylan Bowen, um, Hanover Central shortstop. His brothers, Drake Bowen, two-sport athlete recruit – or two-sport recruit to Notre Dame. Um, and Dylan Dylan looks like he's kind of following the same trend as – he. I know he's a really, really good football player. I don't know what his 
his aspirations are, whether he wants to play both in college or what. But on the baseball diamond, it's really good. It's really athletic. He runs a 6-8. The swing works. Um, and he's a guy that – I don't know if he'll play shortstop at Hanover Central because they have a they have a senior named Zach Zykowski who's a really solid player. Um, but I know he'll factor in the lineup in some capacity. And I could see him having a breakout year for Hanover Central. The other one I wanted to talk about was a guy that's really, really gotten a lot better over the last six months. Uh, and that's Eli Sensenball from uh, Cathedral. He was a uh, junior future gamer last year. Um, you know, he really went on, went out, put on weight this offseason, ran a 6.65 at the preseason, um, really showed out in all the areas. And then last night I watched him get the start at second base for Cathedral. Um, and, and Cathedral's got an old and really talented lineup. So he's the guy I could see sit, hitting at the bottom of that Cathedral lineup that people kind of – kind of overlook because he, they have so many of those division one commits early in the lineup. And I could see him getting a lot of pitches to hit and hit him, uh, him taking advantage of that. So he's the guy that's really impressed me lately. Okay. So digging into segment number three here, preseason team rankings. I believe those came out, what, just a couple of weeks ago or even just a couple of days ago as well. First off, before we dig into those rankings, what kind of goes into that? Like, you know, how far how far in advance before that season gets started? Are you guys working on that? Is it a collaboration with IHSAA? What does that kind of look like? No, it's not really a collaboration with IHSAA. It's, uh, you know, we've actually been working on these for a long time. Um we had our initial list. We kind of went through. We sent we sent emails to every single coach in the state. If it, every single coach in the state, yeah, let me let me restart that. We sent emails to every coach in the state um, with a basically a link to a preview or to a questionnaire where they could fill out. A, like I think it was like twenty different questions about uh, their team. So we could learn a little bit more about guys from there. So once we got – and we didn't get all those responses back. I'm sure some of them went to the wrong email. So if there's coaches listening to me that didn't receive an email, probably went to the wrong one. Um, but with that being said, once we got all those in, we looked at teams from last year. We looked at our rankings. Um, I put together a list, and then Phil kind of goes through. And ultimately, Phil has the final say with it. He's been doing this for a long time. So he catches some of the stuff that I might not pick up on. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it was definitely a longer process than people expect. Like, it's not just, we throw names on a, on, on a, on a list. It's something that we take a lot of pride in and try to be as accurate as possible with. Okay. So with those new rankings, like who are some of those teams that have made pretty big jumps, you know, from last season, just in terms of the way they ended their spring to what, what you, what they're expecting here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. The team I, that comes to mind for me with this one's Floyd central, uh, they got beat last year in the sectional by New Albany and more specifically by Tucker Biven. Tucker Biven threw an absolute jam that game um, and beat them. But Floyd brings back a ton from what they had last year. And they're going to have one of the deepest pitching staffs in the state with Bishop Letts and Blaine Metz, Cohen Everard, and Noah Wathen. Um, all four college commits that are really, really talented. And then obviously Metz and Bishop at the top are two of the best pitchers in their regarded or in their respective classes. Um, so guys with a ton of talent and yeah, I, I think they were ranked fairly high last year. Um, I, forgive me. I don't know the exact number, but they're a team that comes out at number two overall for us just because they do have that, that talented pitching staff. And they do have a, they have a solid group of position players too, that 
will uh, will produce, and they're a well-coached team that is going to play the game the right way. So I expect Floyd Central to make a deep run, especially because I think they're going to be the team to beat in the South this year. Okay, so what about some surprises from that list? Oh, the, the Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon is the number one team that I think could – could surprise a lot of people this year. They are an unbelievably talented group. Um, we just talked about Floyd's pitching. Mount Vernon's pitching is is almost as talented. They have uh, Eli Bridenthal, the top 10 kid in the 2023 class, um, a three-sport athlete, uber competitor, um, fastball that runs up to 90 with one of the better breaking balls in the class. Um, he's going to, he's going to be great for them. But on top of that, they have Cam Sullivan, who we talked about Notre Dame commit up to 92. They have Nick Heitman who continues to take steps up. He's like, he was up to 90, 91 or 92. Uh, and then they they have a senior named Joseph Wilson, who's going to Anderson, who he'll be a mid to upper eighties kid, throw a lot of strikes, throw a good breaking ball. Um, and then they, they, they have a talented group of position players and Gavin Johnson, Bryden thought will hit for them. Johnson's going to Wabash Valley. Um, uh, DJ Scheinman's going to Ball State. Um, they have a couple other guys like Josh James and Connor Scheidt. Um, and Heitman will mix into that that lineup as well. Um, that are have the ability to be really good, really good high school players, and they're going to play college baseball at some capacity. I know a couple of those guys are committed already, but. They have a they have a group that could be really good. Now the they were seventeen and ten last year, um, so the on field performance didn't quite match up to the talent that they did have. So that'll be the big question mark around them. Like, are they able to maximize their potential? But if they do, they do have a group that that could surprise a lot of people. Yeah. So as we head into this twenty twenty three spring, who are some of those maybe under the radar teams that you think are maybe poised to make a run? Not a lot of people, you know, see them as a contender. Who are some of those under under the radar teams? Yeah, definitely. Um, first team I want to talk about is Homestead. Uh, it's a team out of Fort Wayne. Um, Homestead's got a ton of arms, an absolute ton of arms that I think. And ultimately, in high school baseball, if you can pitch, um, you're always going to have a chance to win. And I think they are really going to pitch this year. Um, you know, they, they have Alex Graper, who's a really talented junior. He's been up to 90, spins a really good breaking ball. Um and they also have a, a senior named Griffin Tinkle, who is not a big velocity guy, but he throws a ton of strikes. Um, and and I think he, he I think I think he was like seven and zero last year, something like that. Like put up really really good stats. Um, they bring back they bring back a couple other arms in that group with guys like Mason Weaver, um, Jake Good. Um, there's one other guy that uh, Logan Tuttle, that's the other one, but another group of three arms that are really, they're, they're college level players that, um, they have in that bullpen. And on top of that, they have Luke Bria, who is a guy that made big jumps for me this off season. He's an extremely physical kid that was up to 90 miles an hour. Uh, you can hit two. Um, and so that, that, that Homestead team's got a really deep arsenal of arms. And if they hit, I think they're going to be a really, really deep squad. Greenfield Central is another one for me that I think has a chance to be really, really good. Um, they're old, which is important. They have a ton of seniors. Um, they bring back a ton of experience. I know they have uh, they have a group of, of senior arms that are committed to play college baseball. That are kids like Connor Sims, Andrew Zellers, Jaden Marcus, 
guys that are, you know, they'll be mid to upper 80s righties, but they'll throw a ton of strikes and they'll throw breaking balls for strikes. And um, they're guys that, 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 and that's effective in high school baseball. Um, and then they also have Parker Rhodes, um, who he, he had a bit of time as a freshman, but I expect him to kind of make a big jump this year and be an everyday guy for them. Um, and, and be a guy that slips into that rotation. So with an old group with a ton of talent and some of those younger guys like Rhodes coming in, that's a team that I think if they catch fire, they could be a really dangerous group. So, so as you look at the top of some of those lists, I mean, you know, you mentioned Zionsville, Center Grove, Mooresville, some of those big time schools. Give us a little rundown on some of those schools at the top of the list. Start with Zionsville, kind of give us a rundown on them and what you're expecting um, this spring. Yeah, so Zionsville is the number one team, or is our preseason number one team. On paper, they're um, unbelievable. The pitching staff is is going to be really, really good with Nash Wagner going to Alabama, Chase Wagner going to Ball State, Simon Wilkinson going to Illinois, and Mateo Wells, who's going to High Point. Um, anytime you can roll out four Division one commits at any time, um, you're probably going to have a good season. Uh but along with that, they have some they have some older bats in the lineup that I think will be great leaders. Max Bond, Easton Moore. Um, they have some guys that I think are going to step in and be really good players for them this year, like Josh Gervin. Um, I think Riley Agbon Hesse could have a breakout year. Wrigley Bumgarner is a guy who I think could be really good for them. So uh, Zionsville is just extremely talented, and really you could say that. You could say that for the entire their entire conference, uh, the entire HCC is loaded. I want to say that we have seven of the eight teams in the HCC um, ranked, and a, a numerous amount in the top seventeen. Um, you know, I look, go down and look through the list. Fishers is going to be really, really good again. They're going to have um, three really, really quality arms in Jack Brown, uh, Gavin Kuznetsky, and uh, Kyle Manship. Um, along with a really solid position player group. I think Westfield has a chance to be really good with guys like Jay, Jacob Culp, Ty Anderson, Colin Lindsay, and Braden Hibbler. Um, as long as Noblesville stays healthy on the mound, I think they'll be really good. Brownsburg has some guys on the mound that are going to be good as well. And then same with HSC and Avon. Um, and so that's just a that, that's just a loaded conference, man. There's 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 a ton of talent in that conference. Yeah, so moving away from, you know, north of Indy to south of Indy, Center Grove and Mooresville. I know you said you went and watched Mooresville last night. What are some of those expectations for those two teams? Yeah, that's a storyline that I'm really going to follow closely this year. Um, you know, those two teams were ranked one and two in the state last year, and they matched up in sectionals, and Mooresville got the best of them and a really, really fun game to watch. Um, but that's a game that – or that's kind of a storyline that I'm following this year. They're two of the top teams on the south side of Indianapolis. Center Grove's ranked third, Mooresville seventh. Um, Center Grove has seven, eight Division I uh, commits plus a ton of talent. Um, but with that being said, Mooresville's really talented too. Um, Devon, Denny, and Brennan Oliver is going to be a really tough – three or one two three pitching rotation they have a ton of bats that are really really solid players and uh, hogan's like we've talked about one of the best one of the best around um and they're uh they're a scrappy group man they play the game mooresville plays the game the right way so seeing those two go against each other that's going to be a, a game that i got to see at some point this year um but that's a storyline i'm following i i, I want to see which which of those two heavyweights comes out on top 
Okay, so digging into, I believe this is going to be 2A, Western and Andrean High School. What are some of those expectations for some of those smaller schools? So Andrean and Western are actually 3A, um, but they're our top two ranked 3A teams in the state. Andrean's a team that is just every year they win. Um, I look at them last year. They're a 3A state champion. They end up beating – they beat Rebuff in the state championship with Andrew, Andrew Dukanich on the mound. They were just extremely prepared for – that game um they're very well coached uh, a lot of tradition they bring back mason barth who's a first team all-state shortstop for us along with a very quality group of position guys um on the mound i think they're going to be good they got they have trent kulig they have garrett banco who's going to saint xavier uh and then they have a couple other pieces in there that i think will be um really good high school arms and then you never know what barth's going to end up with end up being on the mound for them so they're going to be extremely talented and extremely good um but with that being said they're the favorite because they are the defending state champion but western's nipping at their heels western's got a really really solid squad mitchell deans really is one of the best left-handed arms in the state he's a little recruit with a ton of draft interest and then they also go with a number two of christian pownell who's gone to ohio state so probably the best one-two combination in the state between Dean and Pownell. Um, and along with that, they just have a, a group of about eight to ten position players that are coming back that hit over 300 last year. Like uh, Dean hit 382. They have a senior catcher that hit 365. Freshman utility guy that hit 350. Um, and then another few guys that 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 are that hit over that 300 mark. So. With two of the with two frontline arms and a deep group of position players, I think Western's going to be a dangerous group. All right, so moving it back, you know, north of Indy, starting with University High School. I know they got Jay Cooker, a couple other big time guys, and then Ileana Christian as well. What are some of your expectations for those guys? Yeah, so this is a very similar situation for me as uh, as the the three A group where where we have the defending state champion and Ileana Christian. Um, they bring back Kevin Corcoran, who was all world for them last year, put up video game numbers offensively and led them to a state championship on the mound. They have Isaac Vanderwood, who's going to be, a, I think, a very impactful bat for them in the middle of that lineup. And then they have uh, big righty Gavin Meyer, who's a guy who I think could take a step up this year and be um, be a very solid two, if not their one, maybe. Um so, like, that's a group that defending state champion with tons of talent, like, that's a no-brainer, number one. But I think this university squad is going to give them a run a bit um, just from the talent. I mean, Jay Cooker, obviously, the name speaks for itself. He's up to 95, really good athlete, fast arm. Um, he's going to give them a chance to win every time he's on the mound. Um, but they also have a they have a senior Right-handed pitcher, first baseman, Chase Hogue, who's going to Marion, who's going to be a really, really solid arm for them. They have a couple freshmen that I think take big steps up uh, and compete well for them. Um, and then they have a they have a older group of position players. They're very junior heavy, um, but they're guys with a ton of experience. They return seven starters from last year, and they bring in a transfer that has some uh, has some experience playing playing high-level baseball. So I, I think that's going to be a group that, to watch out for. Okay, so last last team I want to dig into here, Lafayette Central Catholic. What are your expectations for them? Man, they just win. They just win. Um, they're, the, they're the defending 1A state champion, 
and they're a, you know, they're a really good group. They bring back seven starters. Um, so bringing back seven starters from a team that won 27 games and won a state championship, like that's going to, that's puts them in the number one spot. They're led by Ben Mazur, who's a Murray state signee. He's a senior. He went nine and one last year with a 0.56 ERA, just absolutely carved. Um, so he's a guy that I expect him to do much the same. Another all state for us from LCC is Bryn Robbins. He was nine and one with a 0.95 ERA last year. Um, so between the two of them, they bring back 18 wins. Um, and then after that, uh, kind of the theme of this crew or theme of these top teams, they bring back a ton of position players that had a lot of success last year. Seven starters that hit over three or seven starters and a numerous amount of them that hit over 300 um, older groups. So they're going to be they're going to be the team to beat in 1A this year. OK, so we got two more segments left here on the first edition of Coop Scoop. Number segment number four, preseason All-State teams. I believe you guys launched those yesterday. I, re- I remember scrolling through, seeing all those picks of Max Clark, Braden Thomas, stuff like that. What goes yeah. into in those teams? I know we've talked about that with pretty much every segment, but what does that look like in terms of preparing for those All-State teams and how, like, just how long does that process take? Yeah, so that's another thing. It's, it's kind of like the – the preseason rankings where it's something that started a few months ago where we kind of started with an initial list and then that list changes all kinds of different places no matter or depending on information we find out or seeing guys at showcases and stuff to that extent um but it's something we try to be as accurate as possible on we try to get the best players possible from each class through there so this year we did 4a 3a 2a 1a um we look at not only their their like ability, right? Like where we have them ranked, stuff like that, um, where they're going to college. But we also look at, hey, you know, what this kid hit last year. Um, and we try to we try to put guys that had a ton of success into that into that all state team. Um, so it's definitely a process that takes a while and, and and you know we try to we try to be as accurate as possible on. Okay. So let's go ahead. Let's separate all four of these teams. Let's starting off with 4A. Obviously the big name in there, Max Clark. Everyone always everyone loves Max Clark, baby. But dig into that 4A All-State team beyond Max Clark. Who are some other guys? Yeah, man. I mean, it's easy to sit here and talk about Max Clark and even Hogan Denny, like those are guys that are on that are just on a different level. And Max is even on his own level in his own regard, just from the, the amount of watching. Uh, I watched him play a couple nights ago and there were 35 scouts there at three 30 in the afternoon to watch him take BP. Like it's just, he, he just has a different kind of aura to himself and he, he's a special player. We could sit here and talk about Max all day. Um, but I think really for me, the, the storylines for this, um, this four a group is the outfield, obviously Max, but, uh Bereal's in there he's he was the top hitter at center grove a year ago hit almost 500 with tons of extra base hits i think he's going to be uh as long as he's good center grove's going to be good um gavin collins is another one that he 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 hit 19 doubles last year which is absurd in a 30 game season uh i want to say he hit over 500 as well so um that outfield's loaded i mean there's some really solid outfielders that didn't make that list guys like hunter snow guys like ahmad duff um that were in the conversation for that and it's just you know there's only three spots hard to put hard to put guys like that but um that pitching staff's loaded too i mean brydenthal lets in 
Um, we've talked about a bit. Kevin Reed's the left-handed kid from Mar- Martinsville. It's very, very good. Eli Shaw's going to get a ton of wins for Warren, for Warren Central this year. He's an Indiana recruit. And then, obviously, Cam Tilly, Auburn recruit, uh, Team USA guy last fall. Um, t- super talented kid from Castle. Okay, so dig into 3A here. I know we got the number one player in the 2024 class, Brayden Thomas in there. I also saw, I believe, Jay Lee, Mason Braun, a couple other guys. Just take us through that 3A team as well. Yeah, we're definitely definitely a lot of talent from the northern part of Indiana in this group. Um, I think this is this infield uh, on this three A team is is pretty special with Braun, Jace Burton, Mason Barth, and and Carter Murphy. Those are four guys that just really really can play the game. Uh, really good players. Uh, yeah, Jace Lee's in there. He's a top five guy in the twenty four class. He's obviously famous for his walk off home run last year, which was really cool. But uh, he's a special talent going to Notre Dame. And then the pitching staff in this three A team is, is cool too. You see both of uh, Western starters and Pownall and Dean. Uh, kind of shows how deep that t- or good that team is, along with like you said, the number one player in the twenty four class, and that's Braden Thomas. I think he's gonna uh, have a monster year for Dwanger. So uh, yeah, that three. 3A teams, 3A special. Okay, so for that 2A team, you know, we've mentioned Jay Cooker already before, but also I saw Wiggins, I believe Bradley Farrell, Kentucky commit. Take us through that 2A team. Yeah, there's some big names in this 2A list and it kind of shows you how deep Indiana high school baseball can be. Um, you know, there's guys like in the middle infield, Grant Borden and Reed Howard, both two really quality uh, shortstops that are going to Division One schools. Um, it's easy to talk about Wiggins. I mean, he's a uh, He's draft prospect, swings one of the heaviest barrels in the class. Um, he's a guy that can go yard at any time at any point. Um, Cole Hewitt's another one on that list. Virginia commit from Providence that uh, he's a sophomore, but we expect him to have a big year. Uh, and then some of those some of those arms that are really talented as well. Corbin Snyder's really ticked up over the last year. I think he'll have a good year for Eastern. Uh, like you said, Bradley Farrell's. Uh, special talent and he him he was also in consideration for two-way on this list just because he put up he hit almost 480 last year with like seven triples um and then Sebastian Salazar from Sheridan's another one that I think could have a really big year okay so last I was last team here some, the small schools 1a what, what are some expectations for some of those players yeah so 1a's this 1a group's good man there's uh there's some guys in this group that I think the one highlight for me is this group of Indiana Wesleyan commits and Trey Harney, Brady Uriar, and uh, Camden LaFuse. They're all guys that put up, I mean, video game numbers in 1A baseball last year. Uh, so they're guys I can see doing much of the same. Uh, infielders and Brett Gerard and Alex Schuler, guys who I think could have really big years. Um, and then our two Lafayette Central Catholic arms in here, both of them went nine and one with sub one ERAs last year. Um, so there'll be there'll be guys that'll definitely have good years. Okay, so last segment here, let's talk about those early season matchups. I know you've talked about some schools, like you mentioned, Mooresville and Center Grove. You can't wait for that game. But for some of these early season games, what are you looking forward to most? What are some of those games that you know you just have to go to in that early April that early April season? Yeah, so the first one that I have circled that I'm super excited for is Carmel Zionsville. Um, it's next Tuesday. Uh, it's going to be a matchup of two, two top ten teams in the state. I think I think we have Carmel at five, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so possibly two top five teams in the state. Um, it's going to be electric. There's going to be 
10, 12 division one commits on that field. And it's really a matchup of two of the top teams in the state. Um, so that's next Tuesday. That was my first game of the year last year. So it's not quite my first game this year, but that's a game every year that I see the like, circle. And I'm like, I gotta be at that one. Um, another early season matchup I'm excited for is Fishers versus Homestead. I'm excited to see Homestead who I think could be the best team in Fort Wayne this year, come down to uh, the North side of Indianapolis, play Fishers, play one of those top end Northern teams and kind of see how that, how they stack up against each other. I think Homestead has a chance to be really, really good. Like we talked about earlier. So um, seeing them in a, in a test against Fishers, will be good for them and for Fishers, frankly, because I want to see how good Fishers is as well and see how good that pitching staff is going to be. And then lastly, uh, a matchup I'm excited for is going to be Fort Wayne Carroll, uh, heads down south, and they play in a – they play in a – they play all the Louisville area teams. So they're going to play against Floyd Central and Jeffersonville. Um, Carroll's a top-10 team for us. They uh, bring back a ton of talent. They're really – scrappy group well coached they play the game the right way so i'm excited to see how they match up against floyd central and their group of blaine Metz and bishop letson as well as against jeffersonville with some talent and brett denby um hayden white Jaden hart uh some really talented players as well so that'll be another fun one seeing uh a northern team those northern and southern matchups early in the year because a lot of those northern teams will come down like another one i could talk about would be uh lake central is going to be heading down to play in bloomington here i think next week um so that's pretty typical for those northern schools so those are always fun for me too because those teams really never play each other until unless they meet in the state championships so getting to see them early is, is fun yeah so so beyond those big time games like you mentioned those couple schools there how do you decide on which games you're going to each night throughout the week how do you go and you just plan your your, your weekly schedule and what you what games you want to go to throughout the spring um so <sighs> We kind of have a process beginning of the year we want to check out and check in on all the draft prospects in the state um so i feel like that's my number one priority kind of right now i need to check in on guys like max clark guys like letson wiggins dean uh hooker guys like that and then after that uh for me i want to check out the top uncommitted arms in the state get them as much love as possible um, so guys like Nick Heitman, guys like Adam Butchkowski, Parker Rhodes, um, they're going to be guys I need to see here in the next few weeks. And then after that, um, frankly, I'm just looking for matchups. You know, I, for me, going, I can only be in one place at one night. So I want to be in the place with the most condensed amount of talent in, in one area. So like a game like last night's perfect for me with a Mooresville Cathedral where there's there's just a ton of talent on both sides. So I'm not just going there to watch one team whoop up on another team. Like, and it's also good because if we can get those good matchups, you can also see Hogan Denny facing a good arm um, or see Hudson Devon face a really, really quality lineup. So it's not just like, Hey, well, yeah, Hudson was 90 last night, but he faced nobody that's ever seen 90 miles an hour in their life. So he dominated. Right. And so that's not really giving me an accurate look at, um, you know, how to, how to evaluate him moving forward because he faced a bunch of guys that had never seen 90 miles an hour before. But like with last night, watch him face a lineup like Cathedral, they can really walk away and be like, okay, he was good and he got good hitters out. So um, those are really the, 
Yeah, the draft guys, top uncommitted guys, and and good matchups. Okay. Well, that's my final question here for that first edition of Coops. I appreciate you having me on. This is a lot of fun. It's always fun to talk high school baseball, watch a ton of baseball. So it's good to kind of kind of go through it. So I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to the next one. Okay, there we go. That's going to do it for episode number one here of our new podcast series, Coop Scoop. Appreciate all of you guys here listening. Cooper, appreciate you giving me your time here for the past, you know, hour and a half or so. Everybody listening, go ball out this year. Listen to today's episode. Listen to the rest of the episodes coming out here pretty soon. We'll catch you guys later.